the short of it is <sighs> it's been a stressful week for both of us. It has been. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to, you got to get in there and get your feet wet and help your family out. <laughs> help your family out. <laughs> it's been a stressful week. Yeah. You've got a crazy family. I had a, um, well, I have a crazy family too. Yeah. On all counts, but, um, but we all were, we had a death in our family, so we were all very united and, yeah. you know, we kind of going through that, but. And I got to go to the emergency is, room. And then you got to go to the emergency room during a tornado. Yeah. 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 But at least we have this to kind of, you know, make things, I don't know, make people angry at us for the thing we're about to talk about. Amaryllis, can you believe we get to do this? (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting to say that to you since this afternoon. (laughs) Nobody knows what that means unless they watch. Well, can you believe it? (laughs) I cannot believe we get to do this. We get to do this. All right, listen, yeah. here's what I want to say before we start. I want to say something, too. Okay. You say yours first. All right, yeah, i got to say my piece. First off, this is On the Dock. I'm Amaryllis. And I'm Misty. We watch documentaries, so you don't have to. And we love to hear ourselves talk. And we love to hear ourselves talk. You're and probably not going to love to hear us so much today. You might not love it today. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. We got opinions. I mean, like, this is real stuff. It is. Yeah. We have opinions. That's right. All right, what I need for people that are at least that I know that are my friends and listen even if you're not my friend I love church with a lowercase c I love church with a capital letter c I love ministry I love choir I love Jesus all things all of that preach yes I love that that doesn't mean that there are not red flags for me inside the church now you and I belong to a Southern Baptist church. Yes. Please do not hold that against us. <laughs> so people may not like that. So I know that there are lots of things that have happened inside the Southern Baptist church, including in the last couple of years, some really terrible things that have surfaced mm-hmm. that they're working on, but it's still really, really terrible things. Right. Um, of course, if you're Catholic, we know that the Catholic church has its massive problems. Mm-hmm. Every, yes, every church organization everything has its problems that's not what we're talking about today today we're specifically talking about Hillsong Mm -hmm. and the red flags there so when we talk about these people and things that they remind us of it doesn't mean that we're not aware that there are problems in other areas of the Christian life right it just means we have a podcast about documentaries, and there's a documentary about Hillsong that we're talking about. And this is the documentary. And this is it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm the same way as Amaryllis. I love God. I love Jesus. I love God's people. I love his word. I love worship. I love the fellowship of fellow Christians. Um, do I agree with everything that the person I'm sitting next to on the pew might? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And that's okay. Um, I believe in the body of Christ that a lot of people have different opinions. There are things that I say are not salvation issues. And you're going to have different opinions on those. Um, And also, you know, everybody's been brought up in a different way. I was brought up as a pastor's child. So Mm -hmm. I've witnessed things within a church that maybe other people have not been a part of. And so I have kind of a different outlook. I also grew up with a father who was a minister. And so I know um, what it is to (laughs) grow up with someone who 
people can look at and think, well, that person's perfect or they yeah. need to be perfect to be. Or that um, they should be perfect. Or they should be perfect. Yeah. But perfection um, versus criminal behavior <laughs> yeah. are two totally different things. Yeah. And so um, I, I'm the same way. I don't say things to offend anyone, but I'm going to be honest with how we I feel. We don't want anybody to get yeah. mad at us. Yeah, don't okay. be mad. And if it's something that hits close to home for you, please know that it's not personal and that if you disagree with us wholeheartedly, we still love you. We're still your friend. Yeah. And we still want to get to know you. But we can't be. And I'm not going to debate with nobody. Yeah. I mean, we're not here to have a fight. We're here to talk about a documentary. Yeah. Basically, Missy and I would have this conversation. There just happens to be microphones right, right now. Yeah. I mean, that's the God's honest truth. Pretty much. Hillsong. Okay. So let me start off by saying this. When Amaryllis brought this documentary to my attention, I was like, oh, Hillsong, the, the musical group. <laughs> this will be great. I do not watch the news, okay? Y'all know this about me. I don't learn the news until they've made a, mu- a movie about it, okay? Because <laughs> I don't like, which is so crazy because people are like, you love documentaries, like you love real life things, but I don't want to know what's happening when it's happening. I want to know it once it's resolved, okay? Because right. I don't want to, ha- my, my anxiety is too bad. Yeah. Too much waiting time. Too much waiting time. And so um, when you brought this up, I was like, oh, Hillsong, I love their songs. Like, who doesn't? I just started thinking about all the music and I was singing it in my head. And then you were like, this, this stuff's crazy. And I was like, well, what have they done? <laughs> I had no idea it was like an actual church. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. No. Oh my gosh. I thought it was just the music. Like, yeah. I thought that that was what Hillsong was. Right. Um, that maybe they had a home church, but I didn't realize it was churches yeah. like that. So, everything that I watched on this documentary was totally new, new to, to you? 100%. You're kidding. I didn't even know the names of these people. Oh, my gosh. Mm-mm. No. Oh, I uh-uh. did. I followed it for a long time. No. Mm-mm. Well, Hillsong is a church. Now, it started out... It didn't start out, sort of did start out as a music group. Right. And the church adopted the Hillsong. The name of the music group was Hillsong, and the church adopted that name. And it Mm -hmm. was run and founded, not the band, but the church, which had a different name at the time, and the worship team was called Hillsong, Mm -hmm. was founded by Frank Houston, Houston. Who started, uh, he was a big Pentecostal guy, Assemblies of God guy. Mm-hmm. Also, there is going to be some real inside baseball talk here. For instance, when we say Assemblies of God, some of you who are not people of faith may not have any idea. Yeah. And then some of the language that the people used in this documentary was very much Christian ease language. And so if you watch this, sometimes you may not understand what it means, but Misty and I have grown up in church, and it kind of is a second language to us. So when somebody says, I just felt like this was a call on my life, or I just felt the will of God, or, you know, there's just Mm -hmm. different phrases that we take for granted that we know what they mean. Right. That someone who is not a person of faith, or maybe just not a Christian, may not understand. So. And since we are so holy. We're very holy. Um. I've been in several denomination churches throughout my lifetime. Is that right? Pentecostal. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Nazarene. Get out. 
and Baptist. You were Nazarene? My daddy was a Nazarene preacher before he became a Baptist preacher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my dearest friends, this family that I love is Nazarene. Mm-hmm. I don't really know that much about it. In fact, I know nothing about it. So. It's it's like a little blend of, um, it's a little Pentecostal, a little Baptist. Okay. It's just a good little mixer. All right. Right there. Yeah. So Frank starts a church and he gives it to Brian for Brian to grow. Okay. And sure enough, he did. They discovered that people were coming to this church for this music. And I don't know, you know what was really interesting? I don't know if you remember. You might have been too young, like in the 90s when Hillsong really got big. Mm-hmm. Darlene Sheck. Mm-hmm. Shout to the Lord all the earth, let us Oh, my sing. gosh. I wore that tape out. Honey, power of majesty, praise to the king. Oh. Yes. 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 Jesus, lover of my soul. Oh, mm. my gosh. I used to love that tape. I mean, yeah. it was so fantastic. Uh, and I just knew that it was Darlene Sheck from from uh, Australia. Yeah. Turns out she's a child star. <laughs> Did you hear that? She's a child star, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so so then this church begins to grow as a result of this music. And uh, they had diverse church leadership and a diverse congregation. And their big thing was, come as you are. At this time, there was this whole movement in the church called seeker-sensitive Mm-hmm. Like the American church. Right. Seeker sensitive, which is let's not worry so much about what we're wearing. Let's make sure that we meet people where they are instead of them meeting us where we are, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. It was a good it was a good thing to for people to understand that, you know, the gospel is open to everybody. Well, yeah, because that was something that especially in the earlier, you know, 70s, 80s, that was one of the things was. You go to church, you dress for church. Oh, yeah. Like, you wear your Sunday best. You are to come and bring your best. And, um, you know, the way that you presented yourself was a huge deal. And you had to show it was disrespectful. Like, I mean, I was raised, I couldn't Mm -hmm. wear pants. I was going to say, my mother would never let us wear pants to church. Yeah, my daddy would not let us wear pants to church. Mm -hmm. And I can remember when Philip and I... um, got married and we decided to kind of leave the nest and find our own um home for worship I got to wear pants and I was like well what is happening good grief this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and looking back on it like I understand that that was the way that he was raised and that's oh yeah. yeah he saw that as a form of respect but like for me I was just like why have we been putting so much emphasis on a dress for so long do you know what I'm saying when I was a teenager there was a a short time where these rompers were really popular I don't know if you remember they kind of look like little children's clothes but if but teenagers were wearing them and they had like the big collar the big collar with a nick they were like knickers you know they're their pants and they were really cute yeah you wore your lib your uh libby shoes with them absolutely there was we could not wear that what my mom would not let us wear that to church I mean we could wear it it's not that we couldn't wear pants we just couldn't wear them to church mm-hmm. I mean you had to dress up there was yeah, yeah. so this was a this was a movement for people to understand that that stuff doesn't really matter we just want you to come experience the gospel right so the church in Australia started growing but it wasn't growing as fast as he thought but Brian Houston set his sights away from Australia and he came to the United States at the time there was a Pentecostal movement and he started looking around and what he learned was from people like Kenneth Copeland. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ost- Joel Osteen has a father who, who pastored that church before he did. Um, and it was that he learned about the prosperity gospel. Right. If you don't know what the prosperity gospel is, it's a 
basically a quid pro quo between you and God. So you give sacrificially at will at whenever they want you to give, and God will bless you. Sevenfold. Sevenfold. I mean, you have not because... You ask not. Nope, not because you ask not, but because you give not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, Robert Tilton was another one. Robert uh-huh. Tilton. Side, side note, if you ever have a chance, go on YouTube and search... This is really crass, but search Robert Tilton farts. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I want to. We're going to watch it okay. when we're done here. Okay. It's, it will make you laugh so hard. Okay. It's so hard. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was crass. But it will make you laugh so hard. Okay. Okay. So Brian comes to the United States and he picks up and he says, well, this works? What? Yeah. <laughs> Is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Sure enough, he takes it back to Australia. Hillsong goes crazy. He becomes the poster child for consumer Christianity. And what consumer Christianity is, is when you make the gospel profitable, profitable and appealing because it's so easy and palatable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow for the hard truths of the gospel. Right. It makes things shiny and sparkly. Mm -hmm. And that is so true of so many churches. Hillsong began licensing their music. In the 90s, like mm-hmm. we just sang, Shout to the Lord and all those. They had really, really great music. Right. And if, if music is what you do in church, which is what we do, I mean. You hop right on board. Oh, my gosh. It's great music. It's pretty doctrinally sound. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's scripture-based. Yeah. yeah. It's good music. music. It's good. And it's. Um, I loved it in the documentary when they talked about how they were like, okay, um, they've learned to produce this music so that the chord progressions Mm -hmm. create emotion in you and so like it's scientifically proven that that these type of chord progressions evoke emotion Mm -hmm. and so you start to wonder is it the music making me feel this way Mm -hmm. or is it the holy spirit making me feel this way and i mean we've experienced it a million times Mm -hmm. and i think i mean for me probably you too you're aware of it Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, I believe the Lord can work through that. I don't, I, I'm certainly not saying there's not a place for it because God knows I love those songs and I love the swell and emotion, mm-hmm. but it sure is. Uh, sometimes it's easy, not hard to, it's easy to mistake emotional manipulation for the actual glory of God. Right. And so you have to be in the right frame in the right moment to understand I'm worshiping the Lord in this moment. I'm not worshiping this emotion that has just arisen in me. Mm-hmm. But that's what they did really well. So if you can imagine an arena full, how many people does an arena seat? Oh, gosh. I mean, tens of thousands. yeah. Yeah, tens of thousands of people in an arena swelling to this music. And Mm -hmm. most of these people have been fed baby food Mm -hmm. when it comes to the gospel. Right. And they're very easily manipulated. Well, now you're on a high. Why don't you buy a T-shirt? Why don't you buy two or three CDs? Well, when you're only taught... Like you said, the the milk of gospel, it's yeah. very easy to feel that emotion and think, well, this is all it is, is, is love and, and light and goodness yeah. and giving and all the beautiful parts of, of grace, yeah. but without having to think about any the of parts. the hard parts or the sacrifice or the bloodshed that was given over for your sins exactly you know and not having to look within your own self but just kind of celebrating yourself and how god made you 
or looking at the truths of the gospel that as a Christian, we have to agree to live certain way. Right. Because that's Jesus is who we follow. And Mm -hmm. this book is our guide. And we hope in this type of consumer of Christianity, we just take the fun parts. Right. And the easy parts. Mm -hmm. So Hillsong becomes a $100 million a year venture. Not the church, the label, the Hillsong record label. That's crazy. $100 million a year because they're selling their songs not just in CDs Mm -hmm. and, you know, digital music or whatever, but they're selling arrangements to churches across the world. Mm -hmm. Choirs are doing it and praise teams are doing it. I mean, our church does them, and I'm I'm not here to um, condemn anybody that does these songs because they're, they're beautiful, beautiful songs, and as yeah. long as they're doctrinally sound you mm-hmm. know that's something that you your each individual church will have to decide yeah but it, it that they started it became a brand right it was a brand mm-hmm. so in 2010 they came to new york city let's talk about carl lentz oh my goodness <laughs> what the heck carl lentz is the the pastor at at a Hillsong NYC is what they called it. Hillsong NYC. Am I just the only one that as soon as I saw him, I was like, douche alert. (laughs) (laughs) What part gave it away? Was it those uh, transition lenses without the transition? Um, For me, it was the low hanging shorts with his belly V showing. That was what really got me. So gross. Nothing says, I want you to be my pastor. Like... (laughs) Your low-hanging shorts, like it just it, the ick factor did was so high. Did you prefer his Jesus look, or did you prefer his? Here's my V. Okay, the Jesus look was everything I wanted and more. Yeah. Okay, in a Christmas play, Jesus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if we were doing a Easter pageant, yeah. He's perfect. Top of the list. Yeah. Top of the list. He doesn't even have to audition. But I do not know that I could sit under him and listen to the word coming up out of that that mouth and that hair he had going on. So. He was an entertainer. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's for sure. And he liked himself. He liked himself so much. A lot. Yeah. My favorite thing about this entire documentary there's three episodes, by the way, and it's on Discovery Plus. Uh, preachers and sneakers. Okay. That listen, guy is amazing. I have a conflict of interest here. Oh, you do? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Preachers and sneakers. They For whatever reason, they have picked this guy to be one of the... He's the, he's the headliner. Yeah, like, yeah. He is the face of Hillsong. So he started this Instagram account, and he takes pictures off the internet of pastors who are extravagant and are wearing Yeezys and Gucci and Louie and they're doing it on the stage representing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he'll take a picture and then he'll find the item online and he'll show how much it costs. And the price. T.D. Jakes, who I'm sure many people love. I'm sorry, now I'm naming names. Uh T.D. Jakes likes to wear Louis Vuitton head to toe. Yeah. Church members are paying for that. Yeah, girl. Carl Lentz wore a $15,000 hoodie (laughs) Hoodie. on the Today Show. Yeah. While he was sitting next to Justin Bieber. That is not right. I'm going to say he was not giving to the Lord extravagantly. And there was, it ticked me off. But anyway, so this guy started a 
Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers, and he, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's and, fantastic. And he blasted them. Now, listen, um, th- this is just a little, a little word of the wise. If you know my husband. <laughs> uh, Philip was on Preachers and Sneakers recently. Philip is probably on Preachers and Sneakers. <laughs> um, I cannot cast stones, okay? <laughs> because, now listen, we, as, as we've told you from our, our tens and hundreds of listeners, we do not make a wealthy profit off this podcast, okay? Um, but my husband has a love for Jordans, okay? And he has a love for the Nike sneaker brand, okay? Since he was a young boy. And he is a um, reseller. So what he does is he has a side business where he goes in and he purchases these like limited edition shoes and like enters these raffles and buys shoes and then resells them for, for a mar- profit for a profit for markup and so the reason he does that is not to buy us a beach home or to um offset our bills in any way pay, pay your mortgage <laughs> it's to provide his own sneaker collection <laughs> and so that was the deal we had was he loves he loves shoes, and so he has a large shoe collection. And so our deal was to buy a pair of shoes, you have to sell a pair of shoes. And so that's what he does. And so a lot of people see him and they think, my gosh, this guy has so many pairs of shoes. Like, But he's selling them next week. Yeah, Avery's had people come up to her and be like, how did your dad get those shoes? Like, your dad must make bank, da-da-da. He doesn't. He, <laughs> <laughs> he resells shoes. Yeah. And buys his own shoes. So it's, let me tell you a little something about Philip. It's a nonprofit business. It's a non <laughs> <laughs> not for profit business. It's a not for profit. Listen, business. Philip teaches our Sunday school class. He does. And every single week he has a um, PowerPoint for our lesson and he matches his suit to the PowerPoint. So if he's wearing something blue, he will wear his blue Jordans and it'll be a blue background on the PowerPoint. Uh-huh. The following week, it might be a green PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. His suit or his jacket will have some green in it, and then he'll wear green Jordans. Yes. He is a lunatic. He says it's a fashion ministry. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many fashionistas at our Listen, church. Listen, we have so little to be excited about in our lives. <laughs> so if his little suits and his little shoes make him happy, that's I dig it. Man. That's his only hobby, so I let him have that. But this is small potatoes compared to Preachers and Sneakers, Oh, buddy. This Preachers and Sneakers guy is something else. Also, I told Philip, I said, now listen, because we actually talked about this before I came. I said, Amaryllis has put you in her notes. (laughs) (laughs) He said, said, what? Because he knew all about the Hillsong stuff, and we've been talking about it. And he goes, what? And I said, I said, yeah, she put you in, in her notes because look at this preacher and sneaker Instagram. And he was scrolling through. He's like, man, I like those. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, no, listen, I will tell you this. He said, if I was in a position as a pastor, I could not wear these sneakers. No. He was like, I couldn't because it conveys a message that to some people who don't understand that 
a preacher is merely a vessel and not higher than anyone else in the kingdom of God, to them, that's what they're striving to be. Not Christ, but a preacher. And when they see that, they could think, oh, well, I have to have sneakers like that. Or I have to have, I mean, it's like any celebrity in the in those people's eyes. Yeah. Preachers, of course, are not celebrities, but churches like Hillsong make yeah. their preachers celebrities. Yes. And so therefore their congregants look at that and go, Oh, well that's what I need to have because if I was holy enough and if if I was doing enough for the kingdom of God, he would bless me yeah. with the financial means to have a fifteen thousand dollar hoodie. Well that's the message, right? If you were to give us more of you, you too can have these sneakers. But to me, I'm not as humble as that, where I would think, oh, I have to do better. To mm-hmm. me, I just get angry. Right. Because it's like the preachers and sneakers guy said, these people are getting rich off the gospel. Right. Hillsong is a very large church. Brian Houston, the senior pastor, is not on a small salary. We have a local mega church. That pastor is not on a small salary. Uh, Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick. He's got a bazillion-dollar house in North Carolina. Did y'all learn nothing from Jim and Tammy Faye? They learned nothing. Did y'all learn nothing? They learned, In fact, they were referenced in this movie. Oh, yeah. They were referenced in this PTL? movie. PTL? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Celebrity worship is a, a celebrity preacher worship. It's a problem. People became really aware of Carl Lentz because he was Justin Bieber's pastor. And, you know, Justin Bieber comes from a, a, ba- a faith background, and he just kind of lost his way for a little while. Mm-hmm. And Carl Lentz apparently was like, well, there's Justin Bieber. He's world famous. Let me see if I can help him. Yeah. And and he did kind of help him get on the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. But, but then they started walking around shirtless together. And then they started walking around shirtless together. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's it's gross. It's really, really gross. But what ended up happening was Carl Lentz began because he's bigger than life, he began to outshine Brian Houston. Mm-hmm. He was a like he was a superstar, and he became really full of himself and arrogant. He was the product at Hillsong. Right. He was the product. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the uh, Mars Hill podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mm-mm. Have you heard that? No. Oh, Misty, you should watch that. There's a pastor named Mark Driscoll. It's a really long and complicated story. The short version is... Mark Driscoll was a pastor up in the Northwest in Seattle, and he started a church called Mars Hill, and it became a mega church with a number of locations where he was the head guy. And uh, the short of it is he became very arrogant. It was my way or the highway. He did a lot of shady, shady things. And when, when Mark Driscoll got brought down, the church got brought down. Right. And that's what the danger is. Right. And, and I worry about that for other megachurches, personality driven churches do not survive. And that's what happened with Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. You should listen to it. Everybody should listen to it. The rise and fall of Mark Driscoll. It's what happens when you forget that you're not in charge and that your gifts don't come from the Lord, that your gifts come from the Lord. You forget that. Mm-hmm. And your humility is gone. And it was a disaster. So much damage, so much damage, not only to the gospel, but to people that served with him and now maybe have deconstructed or just like, I want no part of being a Christian because of how he behaved. This is what's happening here with Carl Lentz. Well, I mean, it's it's the whole thing of when a pastor becomes a deity, 
like they become the new God. Like these congregants are no longer worshiping Christ. They're worshiping this pastor because in their eyes, the only way they can get to God is through this one man. Oh, yes. And he, that's a very dangerous thing to do. And he believes it, too. And he believes it, too. He believes it, too. That's I the mean, worst part. Yeah, and that is that is one thing as a... Um, now, now, listen, my daddy's church was by no means a mega church. It was a small little country church. But one of the things that stuck with me always was, you know, my dad was, was a pastor, and he was a good man, and one of the best men I still believe to this day. Um, was he perfect? No, because no person is. But he was very honest with himself about who he was. And when he made mistakes, he apologized. And when he needed to say hard things, he said hard things. You have to be humble if you're in yeah, that sort of position. Yeah, you have to be humble. But he would tell me, even, he'd say, you know, I'm not only your pastor, but I'm your father. But more than that, I'm a man. And man will fail you. Mm-hmm. I will fail you. God will never fail you. So if you're looking to me for answers, I'm going to get it wrong at some point. Yeah. If you're looking to any human for answers, they are going to get it wrong at some point. Christ is the only person that will never fail you. Yeah. And so when you have these, what I call baby Christians, who are just, you know, are just learning about, the Lord and learning his word and and they look to this man who seems to have all the answers and you know he he seems to have this perfect life and everything seems wonderful that's what they pattern themselves after and not after Christ and that's that's just a a disaster waiting to happen it is absolutely a disaster waiting to happen and Carl Lentz like I said he believed that hype he believed that he was that perfect man, and that's not that's not exclusive to Carl Lentz. It's not the story of Lucifer. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, if okay, for those who are not in believers or, or know much about Christianity, you know, everybody knows God and the devil, right? Well, the whole the whole premise of Satan was that he was an angel, yeah, but he wanted to exalt himself above God, and that's why God had to cast him out, yeah. And so, like, I look at that and I go, okay, these, these, this preacher has decided he's, he's all anybody needs. Yeah. Yeah. It is scary. scary. Also, this whole, uh, this whole celebrity pastor worship reminds me of um, anytime, a lot of times I'll see local parishioners come home from Sunday services and they'll quote their pastor. Mm hmm. And they'll say, hashtag, I love my pastor. And there is not anything that I hate more in the world than to see that. Mm -hmm. Because I think, first of all, what you just quoted was a uh, motivational quote straight from Anthony Robbins. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not, we're not talking about this guy has made an amazing comment on scripture. Mm -hmm. This is just a... You know, love others more and your life will be wonderful. <laughs> Can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe we get to do this? Yeah. So we, we keep saying that because that is one of the things that in, in Hillsong, Boston, mm-hmm. that's they would ask so much of these volunteers. And by the end of the day, they would be like, can you believe we get to do this? Like really exciting. Yeah. So from now on, that's what I'm going to say. Another thing that they started to do were was to 
put their worshipers into different classes. So they had VIP sections. Oh my gosh. This was for, yes. th- this was when, this was when Bieber came in. Yeah. Bieber, Bieber gets in, he starts Pratt. bringing in Chris Pratt and he brings in Kylie Jen- or yeah. Kendall Jenner and all these like big name celebrities. Yeah. They start coming in. Well, then all of a sudden it was, well, we're going to put our VIP parishioners down here in the front. That's so gross. And then those who give, are, are friendly with them, not really celebrities, but more business people, they'll kind of sit here and then we'll kind of go back. Yeah. What in the world? Right. Um, I'm sorry. I believe that the Bible said that God is not a respecter of persons. No, in the sight of the Lord, we're all equal. We are all equal. <laughs> he does not say the outside, but the heart. What is happening? I mean, could you imagine if you if we walked into church on Sunday and they were like, Amaryllis, how much do you make off that podcast this month? You know what? Um, I'm pretty sure you and I are VIPs. We would be sitting on the front, so I do not want to mess that up. So shh. I sit on the front regardless. Okay. <laughs> I wish they would tell me I couldn't sit on the front. <laughs> I'd be... I'd be like, um, I'm about to call six on my side. Misty, I'm five foot two. I sit in the front everywhere I everywhere go. Everywhere you go. Okay. <laughs> and said they got mad one time because one of the ushers didn't realize it. Yeah. Because he thought he was working at a church. And he was like, oh, y'all just said, come as you are. This is your home. Um, everybody's welcome here, but you're not welcome to sit in the first five. And he got in trouble. He got in trouble. For sitting somebody down. The volunteer who gets paid nothing. Yes. Got in trouble because he put somebody that did not give a million dollars to the church they said listen terry we cannot just put any old somebody down here on the front row yeah on a sunday morning um you need to get yourself to the back and he said well i can't believe i get to do this (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry at that point i think i'd be like um my shift's up i'm out goodbye i'm out see y'all yeah, it's really gross. It's really, really gross. We got to Carl Lentz from a church in West Virginia, or Virginia Beach, not West Virginia, Virginia Beach. I'm sorry, can we talk about the name of this church? Wave Church. Wave Church. What does that mean? Well, it's at the. It's on the beach. Does it mean like wave, like hello, you're welcome here? No, like Or does ocean it mean waves. like an ocean wave? Yeah, I would think it's ocean waves. What does that have to do? Well, I suspect it's just because the ocean, because it's Virginia Beach. I think they could have come up with something a little more creative. Well, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things to take issue with, you're taking issue I'm with sorry. The wave They said name. wave church, and I was like, wave at what? <laughs> let's, let's, let's not be upset about Carl Lentz. Let's not be upset that he was a womanizer, that he tried to sleep with a parishioner. Let's not be upset that they kicked people off because a girl... What did you think about that girl? I'm just saying these people make a lot of money. Y'all could have got somebody to name that church better. Okay. Noted. Noted. Truly noted. Thank you. I'll let them know. I bet it still exists, too. Wave Church. At that church, there was a girl who served, who was serving, and she had a boyfriend, and they uh, ended up sleeping together, and they felt so guilty that they went and confessed. Or no, no, they didn't. No, No, he stood up. (laughs) This is what would happen to me. This is what would happen to me. I forgot. <laughs> they got him in service, okay? And they, 
you know, if you've ever been to an evangelical Christian service, the end is what they call the invitation. Yeah. And the invitation is where basically they say, listen, if you have sins you need to confess, if you need to, to ask pray. forgiveness, if you need to come pray, the altar is open. We are here for you. No judgment. What, what you leave at the altar stays with God. You don't even have to pick it up and carry it back to your seat anymore. Not at Hillsong, okay? No, so, this was Wave Church. Uh, was it at, oh, what, yes, that, was it was Wave, Wave Church. Church. Well, now at Wave Church, so they're there, and she said that her and her boyfriend were in love, and they had done consensual s- sex. some consensual sex together, and she was not feeling great about it. And then she said that they... Apparently he wasn't either. He wasn't feeling great about it either. And she said before she knew it, he had done went down to the altar. <laughs> and, and she said... To confess it to Carl. And she said, well, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> and so she followed him. And so they go down and they confess and say, look, we're, we've had premarital sex. We feel terrible about it. We want to ask forgiveness. And they say, well, let us sweep you into this smaller room. Okay? Because apparently... You can't just leave it with Jesus. You're going to have to leave it with us as well. And so they take them into a meeting room, and they meet with them, and they say, listen, um, you've done this this thing that we feel is is sinful, and um, y'all are just going to break up. And you can't sing on the praise team anymore. And you can't sing on the praise team anymore. So today you walked into this church building, and you were committed adults in a relationship. When you walk out of here, because I'm Carl Lentz, the singles pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, and I have authority to make you break up. You have to break up, and you can't sing anymore. Oh, my gosh. How is that? Well, he told them that it was premeditated because they used a condom. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, listen, this is important to note because, listen, if this was a situation where this was a one-off, you know, th- that that Carl Lentz overreacted to something or, right. you know, he just, he thought, well, these people are in a leadership position and this is what this church holds as a standard mm-hmm. and they've confessed and we need to address. What's, what happened not long after this or a few years after this is Carl Lentz randomly met a woman in a park and began an affair with her after he was saying and making people do things like this. Right. He made this couple break up. They're 19 years old. One year later, this girl gets married to somebody different. Her life took a complete tailspin because of this one decision. Because she slept with him again, and then she was scared she wasn't going to be able to sing. Yeah. So she got <laughs> married. This this is what drives me crazy. Oh, my god. And y'all, y'all please understand that I am not saying that anything, it, goes. anything goes, that people should go do whatever they want to, especially when you're in a leadership position in a church. Yes, you are held to a standard, okay? And, and it's a standard that, I, that you've agreed. You've agreed to, yeah. right? But these are grown adult people. Yeah. You can't tell grown adult people you can't date your boyfriend anymore because mm-hmm. you had a, a lapse of judgment and decided to have sex with that person. You can't do it. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, I'm sorry, when did you become... Jesus yeah. to where you get to decide what the punishment is. Yeah. I mean, well, the we, Bible says you you can't sing on the worship team anymore. Everybody I mean, knows that. I mean, I'm sorry. No more shout to the Lord. I was taught that when you ask forgiveness that God forgives you and your sins are wiped away. And that's why he died on the cross for us was so that when we do things that we 
are not supposed to do when we commit sins against ourselves and against others that we can go and we can ask forgiveness. And because we're human. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of our faith. Yeah. So, I mean, I cannot imagine how these young people felt going and trusting someone with something, quite honestly, they didn't even have to share with him. They didn't have to share. I mean, according to the word, they didn't have to go and tell him anything. They confessed their sins to, to the Lord. Well, they did it because they had been under this leadership that made them feel guilty about everything that they did. Right. And that that's where the real crime is, right? Where you feel mm-hmm. like everything that you do can't just be between you and the Lord. I have to share it with this man because I'm under his authority. Because I need his forgiveness yeah. too. Yeah. And that's it's gross. That's not even yeah. what we believe in. Yeah, and then the best part is not long afterward he starts an affair with this very beautiful woman that he meets in a park randomly. Do you know what my favorite part is though? Um was when he came up with the dating rules for all <laughs> the young people. Yes. Now this man is going to go on to have affairs and they later find out multiple yeah. indiscretions with mm-hmm. women. Um, but he had decided when he was leading the singles ministry that people who were dating were not allowed to kiss until they had dated for a year. Oh my gosh. I forgot about this. Yes. They would have kicked me out immediately. Immediately. Um, I kissed Rhett Barnett the first night. Sorry, mom. Philip Gillespie laid one on me as soon as we got back from the movies. (laughs) Anyway, um, and you weren't allowed to say, I love you until you got married. Right, until you got engaged. I'm sorry, I tell everybody I love them. I love you, Amaryllis. I love you, And we're never getting married. We're never getting married. (laughs) This guy over here. It's such random. I mean, that's true a lot of... It's just power and control. It's it's true of a lot of very... uh, I hate to say it like this because I I am in this world, but of very conservative Christian circles, it's these random rules. Just made up rules. Made up rules. You think about the Duggars, you think about courtship, that mm-hmm. movie that we watched, that was so crazy. Yeah. They're just random rules that in their minds keeps people moral, which is what's is it really moral if you're artificially moral? No. No. So And does it work? No. It doesn't work. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. No, you know what it serves is to push people away once they have come around. Mm-hmm. Once they realize I was being manipulated and that was not okay. And I don't want to be a part of any organization that manipulates me. So now what have we done? In your effort to keep somebody, you've actually pushed them out. It's kind of like that old song, hold on loosely, don't Mm -hmm. let go. Yeah. Because if you hold on really tight, that person's going to want to just go. I mean, just leave. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I, my perspective and what I've seen happen over and over is you can't shove this kind of stuff down people's throats. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. Well, it becomes this this thing where you legalistically following a bunch of rules. It's not about that you've developed a relationship with Christ and right. you want to be a person that follows after him and not after flesh, but it becomes you can't do A, you can't do B, you can't do C. When those type of things don't last, a relationship with Christ lasts. Yeah. And when you when you are seeking after him and you want to be like him and you want to be pleasing to him, then you naturally, it's so hard to explain, but you naturally in your spirit know what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You have 
the whole, and it sure as heck isn't a celebrity pastor giving you a rule, a set of no, rules. No, it to isn't. Somebody giving you a yeah. set of rules to follow. I'm going to tell you what I loved about this affair that he had with this woman, Ranin, who was drop dead gorgeous. Palestinian lady that was she was so pretty she was gorgeous he said those are the most now she asked him if he was married and he said yeah and she said is there something wrong with your marriage because she's like well maybe he's about to break up and he said no my marriage's fine Mm -mm. he said it's fine (laughs) it's fine he said but you're from the Middle East and those are the most beautiful women he absolutely said that and I said well you obviously have not been to Alabama you have definitely not been to Alabama amen I mean southern girls (laughs) Cuban southern girls (laughs) (laughs) sometimes just plain white ones this weird hybrid my favorite part was when Ranine got really upset because her boyfriend was unavailable. <laughs> well, listen, when your boyfriend is running a mega church, when he has got a wife and three children, and, and Justin, Bieber. Justin Bieber on the side, and he's having to go work up lucrative apparel deals, <laughs> he's not going to have time to go stretch with you in the park, okay? She said, I just realized that he was only coming over when he wanted to come over, and he never would come over when I want. And I thought to myself, did you or did you not know he was married? I'm sorry, that sounds like an affair to me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, listen, is it Christmas with me or Christmas with your family? So Which one? <laughs> I'm sick of this. It's not Christmas with her. She's Muslim. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you can have Christmas with them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, so somehow the But press- Diwali, forget it. That's mine. Diwali. Don't Wally is Indian. Oh. <laughs> I just know that off the office. <laughs> it's a festival of lights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so somehow the media gets a hold of it and he he gets he has to resign. And Brian Houston says, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. This is news to me. I can't believe this is happening. What is going on? Meanwhile, my second favorite people in this whole documentary, next to Preachers and Sneakers, mm-hmm. came up, and it was the pastors from the Kiev Church. Oh, they said, we are not dealing with this at they all. They said, Brian Houston, you did know because we told you. We told you about it. <laughs> yes. Why you be lying and why you be trying to get us to give you money? Those two were amazing. I love them. I told Rhett, I want to go to their church. Mm-hmm. Because they had no time for any of this. They were not worrying about those people one bit. They I don't were know like, if they're in Kiev now. Like I don't. This was filmed back last year, so I don't know if they are there for the. You know, there's war going on there right now, and yeah. so I don't know if they're there now or if they're you know survived. I don't know. I have to look. I have to look them up. But he says, Brian Houston told me I was growing this church for him, and I said I'm growing this church for Jesus. That's right. <laughs> he said, "Do not mess with me." Yeah. Yeah, I loved him. I loved I liked him. him too. Then we meet a girl named. Uh, so, so then the corruption just keeps getting worse and worse. There's just more things that are getting uncovered. A young lady named Anna Crenshaw, who is uh, she? She's American, but she went to uh, Hillsong, Australia, and um, she she met a man. She went to like a. Well, she a, was a part of the college. I was going to say she went to Hillsong College. It's a whole nother topic. <laughs> I think they use the word college. It's like uh, it's like look. Princess Bride. I do not think you know what that word means. <laughs> I don't. We're not getting a bachelor's of science How can here. they call that a college? Cause I don't know. It's okay, insulting. correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, this is what I do not understand about like church campus colleges. You cannot use that degree for anything else other than to work within those church walls. Correct. 
maybe not within just those church walls, but maybe like in other ministry, but it's not an accredited, you know, here's my degree in theology. Okay. It is a, here's my degree. I took a class on lighting during worship or I took a class on how to teach. And this is a not class a, or develop a curriculum. This is not a six week course. This is four years. Well, there's probably, if I'm not mistaken, I, and I'm not an expert on this, but I, there's probably different tracks. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, some of them talked about how they went there for four years, and then there's probably a two-year option, maybe a one-year option. And apparently it's quite costly because mm-hmm. some of these girls were saying they were having to share food because well, they were sharing their food. tuition was taking all of their money. Uh, yes, but the lady you're thinking of in particular had been given a grant because her dad was a veteran, mm-hmm. and she was awaiting that grant. And the way it works is like it works with college scholarships. The organization will send the check to your college, and whatever is left over is supposed you. to go to you. Right. And my husband says he made so much money in college because his scholarships uh, co- more than covered his tuition, so he would get a check back every semester. Right. Now, with this young lady... They just kept her money, and she kept trying to get them to send it back, and nobody would listen. Mm-hmm. And they would just say, you know what, that's the price of serving God, which made me want to throw my remote through the television. We tabbed that for you. Can you believe it? That is theft. That's illegal. It's theft. Yeah. Yeah, it, it angered me so much. But these, these, um, these like, Bethel has one, except it's like Hogwarts for Christians because it's like what? this re- because it's like this weird supernatural college of something or other. It's weird. Like Bethel College of Supernatural and something. I can't remember exactly. Girl, how is that even a thing? Like Phillips, so Phillips family was very, I don't know how to put it. Like they're very religious in a different way than I was brought up. Like his his mom didn't want him to go trick-or-treating. Yeah, like, they wouldn't let people have Pokemon cards. So how are they having a Hogwarts over there? Well, <laughs> that seems like the opposite. Well, because they're thinking angels and demons. How to deal with angels and demons, that kind of thing. Okay, so not like witches and No, no, and werewolves. I, I mean, it's a metaphor because, you know, it's like Christian Hogwarts because it's you're dealing with angels and demons okay. and how to... Like spiritual. Yeah, yeah so they have... These types of churches have built-in colleges, mm-hmm. so they're training their own ministers right. to take over, I guess. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people I know go there, and they love it, and they feel like they're ready for real-world ministry. So I, I don't know. I, it's kind of weird to me because it's just not the world that I was in when I went to college. Yeah. Um, it's just hard for me to understand Say you were to decide that was not, you know, because a lot of these kids are young. Oh, yeah. They go and they put invest their money and their time into this ministry that they're going to make not only their ministry, but their actual career. Um, and what if at some point they decide that's not the path they feel like God wants them to be on anymore? Well, I I think this is going to be a controversial hot take. I guess that's redundant, but it's going to be a hot take. I feel like these churches are all very good at emotion, right? We talked about that. Mm -hmm. 
and these kids are wrapped up in that. It is a fun thing to be a part of. It is an exciting thing to be part of such a vibrant worship, and you don't want that to end. So emotionally, they're feeling like, I want this to go on. I want to serve God because they feel like serving God is this. Serving God is getting to be part of fun worship experiences all the time. And what does that do? That feeds that college of that particular church. Well, here's what I see happening, okay? And this is where I, Philip and I were talking about it because he was saying, you know, we're human, right? There's going to be a level of of sin and corruption in every body of of a church, okay? Because it's it's run by by humans. But when you get into this mega church um, platform, it's a machine. You have to continue to feed this thing. So to to have this size of a church, you have to have the staff to support it. Therefore, you have to train in order to have the people that can run this church. But in order to continue say a college you can't let the market get oversaturated you have to build more churches and there has to be more and more people and it's feeding the beast it it just feeds it over and over again and so you know I was telling him I said in my eyes when when church becomes more of a business oh and that's what this is then then a a sanctuary of worship I cannot stop touching this table. I'm so passionate. <laughs> it it becomes a whole different animal. Yeah. Okay? And, you know, it creates opportunities for, um, for things to creep in that wouldn't creep in in a more streamlined, traditional church setting, if that makes any sense. There... When you not reach, saying that one's right or wrong, yeah. okay? I'm just saying it's it's just a whole different animal. When you reach, and this isn't, I even want to say that mega church is not really the right way to classify these types of churches. I like to use the word churchzilla because oh. they are so large in scope that, you know, we're not talking about a church that has four or five locations. Mm-hmm. Hillsong Church was Inter- is international. Yeah. I mean, 150,000 members every Sunday. And when they pulled up, did you see when they pulled up all those um, business listings? 44 LLCs in the United States. That is a red flag. They, they talked to some cult interventionists, which I thought was interesting, mm-hmm. that they, they really feel like it's cult-like. And I yeah. see that a lot in, in anytime you see, like, anytime you talk about big churches or or organizations that are cult of personality, mm-hmm. it's definitely very cult-like, right? Mm-hmm. 44 LLCs, that means private enterprise. That means for-profit. That means no transparency in your money at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, at our church, and certainly it's not, you know, the greatest church in the whole world. I'm not trying to put it up on a pedestal by any means. But... It, it's not a very huge church relative to this. It's it's big in our area, but it's not humongous. Mm-hmm. We have transparency in budgeting. Yeah. Every year, our whole church votes on the budget. It's it's and I realize that when you have a church the size of a Hillsong or a Bethel or any of these other ones, 
it's probably very difficult to get input from everybody. But there has to be some way for these people's money that they're giving in good faith to be accounted for. Yeah. So for us, we don't get a line item necessarily of every single thing that gets spent. But Mm -hmm. we see what ministry has, how much money is allotted for this ministry. We even know how much our pastors are getting paid Mm -hmm. um, in a lump sum, you know, not individually. Right. That's private kind of stuff. But, but I, you know, we know that our church has set aside this much money for salaries, for operations, for mission trips, for everything. And I suspect if I were to go to the church administrator and say, can you please give me a line item of where all of this money is going, they would probably give it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with maybe limitations on some privacy reasons. But Well, honey, they are not allowed to talk to their pastor at Hillsong. Oh, gosh, do not approach your pastor. Could you imagine? Oh, like, my gosh. I mean, and, and again, like we said, no church is perfect. I'm not saying our church is perfect. But I it isn't. I couldn't imagine not being able to speak to my pastor. Mm-hmm. Make a joke or with Or say, them. hey, I'm, I'm struggling with something. Could, could my husband and I meet with you? Or challenge him. Exactly. Challenge him on, you know, I'm not so sure that that was the most whatever. Or can you explain to yeah. me why why you you said this from the platform or whatever but yeah they had no um no direct communication with their pastor yeah which is red flag number one red flag hello but now now tell me this i was thinking about this while i was watching it with a church this size with this number of people in reality now a lot of these people are are coming um just Sunday mornings to their allotted service. Um, there's not a lot of accountability because a lot of people don't really know each other outside of their... Well, you can't know anybody. You can't know unless they ha- are in selected groups, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, where all this money is coming from cannot be the bulk of tithes. It has to be from buying merchandise through that church, oh, correct? Yes. It has to be from concerts. It has to be from T-shirts. It has to be from all of the. I mean, because they're the people who worship there are their customers, right? Well, the label alone is generating over a hundred million dollars a year, right? So, I mean, this can't be all from tithing. No, that's just a stream, right? I mean, th- they have streams and probably the everywhere. smallest one, if I had to guess. I don't know how much they preach about tithing and about giving Mm -hmm. I mean he did talk about how there were some very generous people that would give Mm -hmm. I don't know but you're right I mean there's here's the thing Uh, any smart entrepreneur knows that you've got to have multiple streams of income well tithing is a hot topic and so to me people who when you're trying to draw the masses in Mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is be like well if you're not giving your 10 percent God's not going to be real happy with you because they'll be like bye catch y'all at Starbucks yeah you know yeah. what I'm saying? So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, because they had said, like, they don't really preach on a whole lot of um, touchy issues. Hard topics. Hard topics. But what they do do, Misty, is they get around that money topic by talking about quid pro quo. Like I said earlier, the prosperity gospel They may not say, did you tithe today? But they may say, you need to give as much as you can because if you don't, you will not be blessed. You will not have good health. I mean, I knew somebody who was told that there was sin in her life, and that's why she 
had bad health and it's sort of this prosperity gospel situation if you if you do good if you give money then god will bless you and that is the actual antithesis of the gospel mm-hmm. i mean we the gospel acknowledges that we are wretched and that we are bad and right. it redeems us from that right mm-hmm. so they get around that they may not have the tough you know every six month conversation that our Southern Baptist churches have, (laughs) let's say, listen, that balloon payment is coming up on our building project. We really need for y'all to give your Uh tithes. Please stop robbing from the Lord (laughs) and bring them tithes into the storehouse. They don't have to have that conversation because it is just part of their culture that if you give, you will be blessed. By the way, did you notice Hillsong is a lot like Scientology? Yes. It's so much like Scientology. Number one, it's very cult-like. I don't care what people say. I'm sorry. It is. There are, this is a cult of personality. Brian Houston, Carl Lentz, any of these celebrity pastors. I mean, even the parishioners said, we didn't like it when Carl Lentz wasn't there. We really liked it when he was the one preaching. Mm-hmm. They were not there to listen to a message. They were there to listen to a person. Right. That is cult-like. They were using like this young lady talked about when she went to confess her sin and that happened a couple other times with some other people they were using that information against people when they left like if they worked there Mm -hmm. they would make them sign oh the other thing is they make them sign non-disclosure agreements when they go to Hillsong College they also make them fill out a form called working with children form where they have to disclose if they've had sex in the last year mm-hmm. or drink alcohol or taken a drug in the last year. Yeah. And, oh, my word, I forgot that story. How angry did you become at that girl's story? There was a young girl. The dinner. No, that's a different one. This is the girl who was getting her background check, and she had been really worried about it at Hillsong. Oh, yeah, yeah, And... She was really worried about it because she would. She knew she would have to confess that she had had sex. Mm-hmm. But what she didn't say until the last minute was that she didn't actually have sex. She was assaulted. She was drugged and she was raped. Mm-hmm. And to her, that was having sex. And so she didn't know how she was going to confess that. Well, she did confess it. Mm-hmm. And they basically told her it was her fault. That, that's, that's not altogether true. They said this. this is... Uh, you've confessed it. We're not going to uh, red light you, which meant she couldn't work with children. Uh-huh. Um, but really try to do better next time. Yeah. And <laughs> and we probably won't put you on price team. And we probably won't put you on price team. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's so gross. It's just so, so gross. Yeah. It made me so angry. So anyway, what I was getting back to with uh, Arizona, they have 30 properties in Arizona. Or I'm sorry, getting back to Anyway, getting back to Scientology, they have 30 properties in Maricopa County in Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's the Phoenix area, I believe. Why do they have 30 properties there? I don't know. When I was in Phoenix, the last time I was in Phoenix, it's been about seven or eight years. They have Scientology all over the place. They have a giant Scientology center. They have all kinds of property on t- it is weird to me that they have that many properties in one small area. I burn too easily to go to Arizona. Girl, you, it is. I would be hospitalized. So hot. and Well, in Phoenix. But yeah. It's not that way all over Arizona, but yeah. Phoenix is hot. Yeah. They say it's a dry heat, but so is your oven, and you don't want to live in there. Mm-mm. 
It is so hot in Arizona. And I have been, I've been in January where it's absolutely gorgeous. It's stunning. It feels like April in Alabama. Uh-huh. It's just gorgeous. And then I've been in August and September, and it is a hundred, literally 119 degrees when you get what? off the airplane. It's a nightmare. Uh-uh. It's so hot. No. So hot. Mm-mm. In any case, it's just weird to me. It just, I felt like there were a lot of parallels to Scientology because they make you confess things and then they hold it against you. And they have all this weird property, which is what Scientology does. Uh-huh. And they make, they gaslight you. They make you feel like you're crazy. They have all these like levels of importance yes. of people. And, and they're very celebrity driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, really kooky. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, uh, a man by the name of Brett Stangsock comes out and says, hey, uh, I'm a grown man now, but when I was eight years old, Frank Houston abused me. It was a horrific story. He went into great detail. And as it turns out, Brian Houston, the lead pastor at Hillsong, the founding pastor there, his father, who was also a Pentecostal preacher, abused this, targeted and abused this little boy, eight years old, for many years. It was so awful. The kid's mother, he told, the kid told his mother, and his mother said, you know what, we're not going to tell anybody because we don't want your experience to keep anybody from coming to church and getting to know the Lord and going to hell. Can you imagine? I don't know. I don't understand this culture. If that, Mm-mm. if that, thank God it never happened to me, but if that had happened to me, first of all, Frank would not be alive. My mm-hmm. dad would have killed him. He mm-hmm. told me many times, anytime, if anybody ever does that to you, any of you three, right? he's going to be dead. Mm-hmm. So for, that's first. But secondly, can you imagine ignoring that kind of abuse in your eight-year-old boy? No. I don't understand it. And unfortunately, it's something that happens a lot in the Christian community. We're seeing it happen in our own Southern Baptist churches where some really horrible things came up for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that that's exactly what happened because it's so much better to protect the brand as if Jesus needs protection from us. Well, and I'll tell you this, as a child growing up in church, you see these people and you're taught to respect your elders, you're taught to respect adults, and you're taught to um, believe that these are the people that are teaching you about God. And so what they do must be right. So even though you're told if something's to ever happen to you, come to me, you can tell me. Um, the ramifications of that are so great um, when it comes to being a part of a church body that it no longer just affects you, it affects your family because what if they don't believe you? I mean, this guy's mother didn't believe him. Yeah. Um, so surely he thought, well, if my own mother, well, she did believe him. I was going to say, she did believe she him. Did, she just didn't think it was. It wasn't worth the, the, the cost. I guess yes, the cost yeah. exactly yeah. the cost of admitting and telling somebody about this was not worth gosh it. it'll be somebody's soul right exactly and can you imagine as a kid thinking well if I tell somebody that could cause people to go to hell yeah um hello that's hours on a therapy couch <laughs> so <laughs> I mean of course he waited until his 30s to actually yeah. come out and say anything because I'm sure by that time he had children and was thinking to himself what the crap was my mother thinking 
Yeah. So Hillsong did not handle this very well. Mm-mm. They offered, uh, Frank, I guess, felt bad, and he knew he was going to die soon, and he didn't want to approach the gates of heaven and have St. Peter say, uh, sorry, you abused children, you can't get in. So he went to Brett and said, um, I'd like for you to forgive me. And Brett, I think, agreed to it just to kind of get done with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they negotiated a settlement at McDonald's. On a napkin. <laughs> on a napkin. And it said, did you notice what it said, the napkin said? Mm-mm. In exchange for forgiveness, $10,000. Or for your forgiveness, $10,000. $10,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And two months later, he still had not gotten his money. So so uh, so Brett calls and says, hey, he calls Brian and says, hey, where's my money that your dad promised me? And he goes, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, you're totally going to get it. Um, but just so you know, this was your fault for tempting my father. With your nine-year-old child self. How do you react to that? I was speechless. It's really unbelievable. So he finally did get his money. But he didn't even get, like, a note in the cart. It was just, like, a check. Yeah. <laughs> Here you like, go. Here you go. 10000 Thanks for your forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's. It's gross. Ugh, it's insane. At no point in little Brian's life and in adult Brian's life did anybody take this to the authorities. Now, this is a mandatory reporting situation, mm-hmm. even in Australia. This kind of thing you're supposed to let somebody else investigate. Right. Just like here in the United States, mandatory reporters. And nobody thought, hey, here's an eight-year-old who's been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. We should report. No. Nobody did. Mm -mm. Well, finally, in 2014, Australia started investigating institutional abuse, which means abuse in uh, large organizations, churches most likely. Right. And, of course, Brian Houston was front and center, and he was called to testify because he had been accused of covering up abuse, which Mm – is what we're talking about with Brett. And um, back in 2002, Frank finally, the, the dad, finally resigned from serving at Hillsong. And, and, and the reason was he'd had a moral failure. Let's talk about that. When you think moral failure, what do you think? Um, I think maybe you made change in the offering plate. You made change in the offering plate? Yep. Maybe you told some lies. Maybe you had a little something-something with your secretary? Maybe you drank a little bit and took your neighbor's car. Right. Do you think felonious criminal conduct is a... (laughs) Pedophilia is not a lapse in judgment. No, it isn't. It isn't. You know, you have to laugh to keep from crying. It's so hard to believe. You know, the more we learn about this Brian Houston guy, the more we realize it's not hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, And you that's like how straight-faced and unemotional he was. Unemotional. Can you imagine sitting there in a room giving statements about your father being a pedophile and yeah. abusing young boys and having zero emotion? He said that really the hardest part for him was reconciling that his dad was homosexual he also said (laughs) not the part about getting his rocks off on a little boy he also said well I didn't do anything (laughs) he's it's something else he's something something else um so records show that Brian actually had clear knowledge of what had happened with his dad and he just never told the police which is illegal and then and then and then Brian says, well, he never preached again as far as I know. Well, that's not and true. Then, and then the next scene was him preaching. Him preaching. And talking to those little boys. Little boys in the co- 
oh, you're very good looking, but you can't help that. Can I'm 82, 82. I wanted to vomit. Oh, my word. It was so gross. It was so gross. It was so gross. And beyond that, now eight men have come forward and, with allegations of abuse against Frank Houston. Fast forward, Brian Houston was indeed found guilty of concealing abuse and the Royal Commission, which is Australia stuff. The Royal Commission turned it over to the police, but interestingly enough, nothing happened. Three years later, now Brian Houston is friends with prime ministers, police chiefs, mm-hmm. parliament. I mean, he is, he's got friends in all the right places. So even though he was guilty of concealing abuse, Nothing at all happened. He was able to avoid investigations. And this was one of the statements that really stood out to me in the documentary was one of the people said, the most, the most famous people get to set the narrative. Yeah. He had the That's most exactly fame right. and the most power. So yeah. he gets to direct the story. Somebody said, when, where Jesus came to save the one sheep by sacrificing his life, Hillsong does the opposite by sacrificing the soul sheep by preserving the big organization. Right. And that is really just disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's just so gross. The good news is Brian Houston was recently charged with concealing abuse in October 2021. Yay. And so he he was charged. I mean, I guess eventually there was an investigation. So that means he could go to jail for five years, which is not enough if you ask me. At all. But at least he's, you know, having to go through all of this. So at that point, he stepped away temporarily to defend those charges. But a couple of weeks ago, he resigned when they found more violations of the church's code of conduct. And so now he's actually not pastor at Hillsong. I don't know who is. It's really, it's going to be hard to recover. But then there's always the faithful, right? Where your pastor can do no wrong. Hashtag, I love my pastor. I guess so. What I know is I'm going to be really hard pressed to sing Hillsong songs. I'm just going to try not to find out the songs that we sing where they're from. (laughs) I'm just going to hope for the best. I know. But I'm like. They're such good songs. They're they're such such good good songs. songs. It makes it hard. They are. I don't know. I don't know how. I've I've talked about this to our worship pastor before. You know, I. We do sing some of these songs. Mm -hmm. And we don't sing songs that are not theologically sound. Our pastor wouldn't allow that. No. You know, it's difficult to find good music. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of in a rock between a rock and a hard place. So that's why I said I wouldn't blame any church that picks some of these songs, but ideally you wouldn't. And like they were saying on the documentary, even if Hillsong closed today, Hillsong would still exist. Yeah. Just under a different name. Oh yeah. There's plenty of people wanted to pick up that mantle. Yeah. I can think of some right now. Yeah. It's yeah. it's still gonna keep going on. So, well, I mean, what do you do? We've done it again. We've just solved the world's problems. Shed light and wisdom on a tough topic. I don't know what this world would do without us. Hey, y'all don't be mad at us if y'all go to a big church. I mean, we don't care if y'all go. I mean, I don't. I mean, we got our thoughts, but we don't care. I mean, I don't care if you go to college at church. I don't care if you. (laughs) I don't care if you do whatever, but. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying in this situation, this uh, there was a clear violation of scripture and ethics, and not good things. Yeah, and just be very very careful about putting a man up on a pedestal yeah. so high that your foundation 
in God is set upon his shoulders because yeah, whew, folks are crazy. Well, just think about if your pastor were to leave your church, could it withstand that trauma? Mm-hmm. A lot of times it can't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love our pastor. Sure. I am. I'm thankful for the way that he brings the word. I'm thankful the way that God uses him, but he's not Jesus. Our little church is going to keep going just fine on that day when he decides to move on. Right. Just like the pastor before him. Exactly. I loved him. And who was an iconic presence in this community. Oh, absolutely. And still is yeah. today. Yeah. But you know, that's the thing is that as pastors and, and my dad was like this, here's how, you know, a true pastor is one who will just as readily um, sweep a floor as he will stand up on a pulpit and preach right. the word. Okay. And that, sure enough, was not Brian Houston. It, sure enough, was not Carl Lentz. No. I'll tell you who it was, was those Kiev pastors, those Kiev pastors. Yeah, it was. They would have done that. They would have done whatever they needed to. Because yeah. guess yeah. what? There is nobody higher nor lower in the kingdom of God. Yeah. We're all the same, and we just have different jobs, and yeah. we're all different parts of the body. But Well, there you have it. Misty and I are singing on Good Friday. Maybe if, not if they hear this podcast first. <laughs> We're singing some hill songs. <laughs> y'all, please know that I am a sinner in the least of these. So if any of y'all want to come up and be like, Misty thinks she knows it all about Jesus and about how everybody should serve God, I don't. And I've just touched our microphone again, and I'm getting in trouble. So I'm signing off. <laughs> Listen, thank you for listening. Please go rate and review us, only if it's good. Probably we not love you guys. One. Oh, and go see us on Patreon. Oh, yeah. Go see us on Patreon. See us on Patreon. I don't know what else we're going to do with Patreon next, but it'll be something fun. We're getting those husbands this coming week because spring break is over, yeah. and we're going to get it going.